Hey, no one told me listeners, this is Callie. And if you're new here, here's what we're trying to do every single week. We try to take the experiences and the stories of those around us and of those ahead of us and use them to shape the experiences of those behind us. Because here's the truth, wherever you are, someone has been before. And instead of feeling isolated and alone, as if you don't know what to do because no one has ever walked through a season like this ever before, let me call out that lie right now. It's not true. And so I hope within the library of No One Told Me episodes that you find someone who's exactly where you are and you can find hope and encouragement in a way forward through these conversations. Now, today in particular is a little bit different because I don't do a ton of solo episodes, um, but every now and again, God does something um, in my heart that I'm like, hey, I feel like I want to talk about this a little bit. And in a world that's just full of influencers, and this is not an episode to hate on influencers at all. I mean, my gosh, if I could get paid to buy the little strips I put under my eyes to look like I've slept, you know, more than two hours a night. I, I too would want to be an influencer. Um, but in this world of influ- influencers, I think we have to pay even closer attention to who's influencing us. And so when I was invited to speak on this topic um, recently, it was kind of tricky for me because I work in the influencer space daily. What's actually super interesting is that the marketing approach right now and what I do across most brands, especially in the social media sector, it's to use what's called user generated content. So basically they go out and they find people who have a certain number of followers and then they ask them to use the products they're trying to sell and make videos about it to put on their personal platforms. And I mean, listen, these marketing people who work for these big companies, they're no dummies. Okay, these companies know where we are and how easily we can be influenced. And if anything, by working in this area, I have just learned how true it is that we see something and there's just, we've been conditioned to want it. You know, as of January, 2023, 53.9% of social media users in the US were women. That's us. Okay. And we may say we're on there just to keep up with friends, but how many of us follow people on social media that we don't actually know personally? Okay, what about this one? Women in the 25 to 40 age group spend two hours and 49 minutes a day on social media. So that's for like almost three hours a day, we're being influenced by a small box that we actually have little control over what it feeds us. And the scary part is it knows us well enough to feed us exactly what we didn't know we needed. Because I mean, honestly, let's be honest, okay, who has ever purchased something because of an ad or influencer recommendation? Like, let's talk about these Halara pants. Okay, I'm on the brink of it, people. I'm about to buy these pants because I am fed so many ads. And I'm almost convinced that they will do all the magic things that these ads are promising they'll do. Okay, I mean, I've bought something to clean my bathroom because of an ad like this. I have bought uh, skincare products. I have bought stuff for my daughter's hair. I, you know, you're probably thinking she's a sucker and maybe I am. Okay, but I am, I guess, easily influenced by these. All right. I've bought clothes, shoes, a gua sha that I still honestly swear by it. I love it. But before you think the solution is just to delete all social media and tell the world via social media that you're doing it. The truth is that with or without social media, we're all influencers and we're all influenced. I mean, this was happening before social media. 
I mean, I think about my kids, okay? They don't even have social media. And I genuinely and earnestly beg God to make social media something that my kids' generation just thinks is super dumb and refuse to use it. But I don't see that happening. But they are fans of YouTube, okay? Kids, right? I mean, I'm sure if you're listening and you have kids, they would rather watch YouTube than like Netflix most of the time. Our role in our house is they can't watch anything on YouTube unless I or my husband are in the room. And they really got into this family on there that had a channel called Ninja Kids. Okay. I liked it because it encouraged activity and healthy choices, right? Feels okay. But over time, I realized that my kids thought a full ninja obstacle course in our backyard was a normal thing to ask for. Okay. They thought being sponsored to talk about a specific kind of granola bar was normal. They also begged for those granola bars, but they thought that I could do 25 unbroken pull-ups because the ninja mom on YouTube could do it. And honestly, that was the final straw for me. Like, how dare you? And also I did try to do it and I cannot, but here I thought they were consuming something somewhat beneficial, but all it was doing was setting norms that weren't actually norms. What they were taking in led to dissatisfaction, disappointment, and disillusionment. And here's the truth of it. What we are taking in can lead to dissatisfaction, disappointment, and disillusionment. These are the cracks in our hearts that the enemy uses to slip in. Eventually, we find ourselves focusing on self rather than others. Ironically, that's created by getting so much access to the lives of others. Proverbs 4.23, it tells us to guard our hearts because they are the wellsprings of life. So I have to ask, how well are we guarding our hearts? Listen, I'm not hating on the choice to go for a little scroll, okay? It's literally my job to scroll and understand trends and culture. But if we aren't aware of who is influencing us and how, we'll find ourselves unaware of who we are becoming. We want lives influenced by our heavenly creator more than the culture-made creators, So I'm going to take us to the Old Testament. I know it doesn't often sound exciting, um, but I just think that if we can compare and contrast these two powerful men who had two very different influences in our lives, we might have a better grip on how we are being influenced and how we want to be influenced. So I'm going to be flipping back and forth between Nehemiah and Esther. These books are back to back. So um, if you want to go dig in, it's not hard to find. But if you've grown up in church, you might think Nehemiah is a book of the Bible only used for, you know, if there's a building campaign going on. But God had me reading through it, and I've talked about it several times already. And I'm telling you, if you lead anywhere or you want to become a leader, Nehemiah is the guy you need to read about. But we're going to use Nehemiah and King Xerxes from the story of Esther. I know, guys, I'm trying not to get too, like, down in the weeds on this. I'm trying to stay a little above it to keep you with me, but I promise it's worth it sticking around. But we're going to build ourselves some filters for who is influencing us. All right, we're going to start with Nehemiah. It's just in the first few verses, we see that Nehemiah's brother has come to visit him and gives him some really hard news. Okay, in verse three, it says, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. In Ezra, the book before Nehemiah, we learned that the Jews who had been exiled were given permission to return to their homes but they just can't seem to get anything done as they try to settle in. Everything remains in ruins. But Nehemiah's hope all along is that his homeland was being restored and cared for. And that hope that he was holding just so gently, it was shattered in just a couple of sentences from his brother. Has that ever happened to you? You're holding hope and excitement, maybe living in expectation, cultivating joy and contentment, but something comes along 
a conversation, a text, a phone call, a news alert, a scroll through your favorite app, and you put your phone down worse than when you picked it up. You know, I've told my husband before that my tension with social media lies in the fact that I'm rarely better for having looked at it. My usual takeaways are feelings of discontentment, doubt, frustration, jealousy, and sometimes I can wallow in it. It can change the trajectory of my entire day as I continue to think about it, or worse, go back to the scene of the crime and feed it even more, mostly without realizing it. The filter that isn't in place for me, confession and repentance. Okay, both big words, kind of words that you like want to turn off at, but just stick around. My incoming is impacting my outgoing. That's what I'm getting at here. Okay, what I'm bringing in is impacting what I'm giving out. Because nothing is in place to filter out the sin because I don't recognize it as sin. Okay, this isn't me being all judgy. I just think with the access we have to everything constantly, we do not often inspect our intake. We can develop a habit of mindlessly taking it all in without looking at what begins to flow from our hearts as a result. Look at Nehemiah's response to his hope being shaken. Nehemiah 1, 4 through 11. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, I mourned, I fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Pay attention to that. No, Nehemiah did not point fingers. He didn't immediately start making a plan or devising a next step or a to-do list. He took his feelings to the only one who could truly do something about them. He goes on to say, then I said, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. He's like, it's like he's saying, hey, God, because of who you are, who I know you are, please hear my cry. He's putting God in his rightful place. He goes on in verse six. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned and terribly sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees and regulations that you have given us through your servant, Moses. Please remember what you told your servant, Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me, put it into his heart to be kind to me. That right there, that is what confession is. Rightly seeing who I am in light of who he is. And repentance, that's just choosing to go another way. To understand how we're being influenced, we have to first hold up what's going on in our hearts to a holy God, not to any other audience. So Nehemiah, he received some news that stole his contentment and his immediate response was to pray a confession and ask for direction. And the very last part of Nehemiah 111, it's my favorite part, says, in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Dun, dun, dun. Like if I knew how to put in sound effects, that's what I would put right there because I literally got goosebumps when I read that. I felt like he kind of buried the lead here, right? He holds one of the highest titles in the palace servants, has daily access to the king, and yet he doesn't reveal his own personal influence until after he prays and asks God for help. There is danger in holding your influence and ability to impact a situation higher than God's ability. 
And you might initially be like, no way, I've never done it, never will, I'm no dummy. But I have felt a personal conviction of my fix-it mentality. Anybody else have that fix-it mentality? When someone trusts me with something they're walking through, a problem they're struggling through, I'm the first to say, oh, let me just tell you what you should do. I am the keeper of all answers. I'll tell you exactly what should happen. Instead of, how can I specifically pray with you through this? Because sometimes, truthfully, that just doesn't feel like enough. My influence is only beneficial if I'm first influenced by God. Okay, so let's turn the ship a little bit. Let's talk about King Xerxes. He had a different approach than Nehemiah. In Esther 1, we find him throwing party after party, some lasting as long as 180 days. And scripture says in Esther 1.4 that it was meant to be a tremendous display. Okay, where Nehemiah buried his title, Xerxes is waving around like a flag, right? Like, look at me. Look what I can do. Look what I have. King Xerxes is about to make a decision that will change the trajectory of thousands of people's lives. And look at the state he's in, okay, right before he makes this decision in verse 10. On the seventh day of the feast, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine, he told the seven eunuchs who attended him to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they conveyed the king's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. This made the king furious, and he burned with anger. Okay, first of all, I know, I know we're all like, what the heck, right? Like, I'm pretty sure if Ryan summoned me and was like, hey, put on that hat I like too, because I want to show my friends how much that hat means to you and how pretty you are when you wear it. I'd be like, you put on the hat yourself and go walk around in front of your friends, you weirdo. Okay, but look back at verse 10 with me. When King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine. All right, hear me on this. There is always a risk that what we consume could consume us. Anything done mindlessly could eventually take over our minds. That's how today's media influences us. Jenny Allen once wrote, if I were the enemy, I would use technology, social media, Netflix, travel, food and wine, comfort. I wouldn't tempt you with notably bad things or you would get suspicious. I would distract you with everyday comforts that slowly feed you a different story and make you forget God. Then you would dismiss the spirit leading you, loving you, and comforting you. You may believe you're dodging the influence bullet that this small screen fires every time we open it, but unless you are intentionally filtering instead of mindlessly scrolling, your heart and thoughts are carrying the shrapnel of influence unchecked. So Xerxes is flying off the handle because Vashti won't come, right? None of us, but also these names, Xerxes, Vashtis, if you're pregnant, I mean, look at them, the good, good options. Okay, but he's mad. So what does he do? We saw Nehemiah turn to God in his anguish. We see Xerxes turn to people in his anger. He does not hold his heart up to an all-knowing God. He holds his heart and his hurt up to an all-opinions people. Verse 13 says he immediately consulted with his wise advisors because he always asked their advice immediately and always. Don't miss those words. Here we see a man that relies only on others to guide his steps. I can think of a handful of times I've had to make some really hard decisions that required really hard conversations that honestly made me want to vomit. Anyone else you've done that before? You absolutely dread it and you think if you can just talk it out with other people, you'll feel better about it. There's three circumstances I can specifically think of when I called three to four trusted people on the way to tough meetings and immediately after to talk it all through. And let me tell you, not one of them answered, 
Okay. I was prepared to wipe the slate clean and just find new friends. But in those moments, I realized it was a gentle nudge toward prayer. I wanted the people in my life who are honestly incredible. They love Jesus and they love me and they're great advisors, but they don't know the whole story. And I wanted them to tell me what to do. But because they don't know the whole story, none of us know the whole story. Only God is crafting this story. So the problem is when I allow others to write in their narratives before I ask God to reveal his, I start taking steps in the direction of the world instead of the direction of God. And I'll always second guess these steps, always, because they aren't rooted in truth, but instead rooted in opinions, no matter how well-meaning the opinion may be. So I have to ask, are you going the way of Nehemiah, the way of recognition, confession, and direction? Or are you more prone to go the way of Xerxes, the way of entitlement, control, and opinion? I'm a little embarrassed to say which way I can lean. But if we don't recognize it, we'll continue to be influenced mindlessly instead of mindfully. I would challenge you today to surround yourself with people who can speak into a decision without making the decision for you. And while we're on the topic of opinions, okay, Nehemiah, he was bombarded with them. And they were always super negative. Okay, take a look at a few. Verse 19. But when Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem, the, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? Wouldn't you have stuttered stepped a little bit here, right? I would have questioned myself endlessly if they were like, what are you doing? Are you going against the king? Nehemiah had just come off the high of the Jewish leaders agreeing to join him. Okay, so before these guys show up, all the Jewish leaders are like, yeah, let's do this. And immediately the pushback started. But without pause, look at Nehemiah's response in verse 20. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. Nehemiah was not swayed. Okay, we are too easily influenced by questioning. Look at our girl Eve way back in the garden when the enemy asked her, did God really say? When God puts a specific call, a specific task, a purpose on your life, maybe it's to send a text, to have the coffee, start a community group in your home, write the blog, mentor someone coming behind you. We spend far too long concerned about the opinions and the questions of others. We look at how someone else is doing something we feel stirred to do, and we think, well, I can't do it like that, so I better not do it at all. Nehemiah's confidence is in God's call, okay? His confidence in that call came from his recognition of God's voice and no one else's. Look at Nehemiah 2. At the moment he finally could take his first step toward rebuilding the wall, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, During the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence, so the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help? With a prayer to the God of heaven, Nehemiah replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Okay, so we saw how Nehemiah handled pushback. But let's back up. It's because of what he did right here with the king. In his fear. Nehemiah redirected his heart back to God. 
everything Nehemiah did, in spite of every doubt, criticism, comparison, and danger, the entire book is Nehemiah continually holding up every effort to sway and shape him against what God's call was on his life. In a world of influencers, are we really paying attention to who is influencing us? Are we consuming and assuming we'll find the right way? Do we hold up what's shaping our perceptions, desires, and dreams against God's specific call on our lives? Or are we easily swayed, shaped by the options and the opinions of others and asking, did God really say? Xerxes lived a life easily molded by who was closest to him. Each decision that he made was based on emotion and opinion. Esther chapters two through four, after Xerxes decides to find a new queen, it's story after story of a man named Haman who plays to the king's ego and manipulates him into making decisions that will lead to the execution of hundreds of thousands of Jews. Xerxes agrees simply because Haman says it's a good idea. Why think when someone can think for you, right? But in his hunt for a new queen, He favors a young Jewish girl, Esther, and in chapter five, Esther approaches the king unannounced, which puts her at risk to be killed if he doesn't accept her approach to his throne. She goes anyway. Remember, he is a man easily influenced, and through chapters five through seven, you'll see Esther request the salvation of her people, of the Jewish people. She'll ask Xerxes to spare their lives, and he did. Xerxes was influenced by spur-of-the-moment opinions, culture, and pride, but God positioned Esther in his life, knowing how Xerxes handled decision-making, to protect and save the lives of her people, of the line that would eventually lead to the birth of Jesus. See, we're all influenced, but we are also all influencers. Esther carried the weight of that influence. You see it throughout the book, her fear, doubt, uncertainty at times. But she was confident in the role God was calling her to on behalf of her people. And could one person really carry that much influence, right, to change everything? Go back to Nehemiah with me one more time. We're going to go to Nehemiah 2, 6. The king with the queen sitting beside him. See, I thought it was odd for that detail, the queen sitting beside him, to be included. Seems unnecessary. In Persian culture at the time, queens weren't even allowed to sit with the king in public forums. They could only enter upon request in private. You know, we learned that in the book of Esther. So why was, why was the queen there and why tell us she was there? So some scholars believe that the queen sitting next to Artaxerxes in Nehemiah 2.6 was Esther. It's another moment of influence that would impact the lineage that would eventually lead to the birth of Jesus. One woman intentionally positioned by God. You have the potential to be one woman, one person intentionally positioned by God to influence the lives of your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, your community. One woman entrusted with the holy influence to play a part in shaping generations by allowing scripture to hold more influence in your life than your phone. Are you filtering everything that comes through the apps that you scroll through scripture? Influence is never passive. It's always a choice. So ask yourself, how is what I allow to influence me impacting my influence? Just a few questions to consider as we close this out. How do I usually feel after I engage with social media or media in general? 
Is your mood impacted? Are you less or more grateful? Are you closer or further from Jesus? Number two, do you notice yourself influenced positively or negatively fairly easily? Why do you think that is? Number three, would you say you're more like Nehemiah or Xerxes? Do you hold up your thoughts, your heart, your opinions, your desires, your dreams, your goals? Do you hold those up to God and ask him what he thinks first? Or are you like Xerxes and you ask those around you what you should do more than you ask God what you should do? I know where I can easily fall. Question number four, have you ever turned to opinions before you move in obedience? And lastly, let's get a little practical. What are some practical filters you can put in place to protect your influence? Because how you are influenced will shape your influence.